Hello, everybody. It's your host, Jack Healy. And today on the Gotham Sports Machine, we're talking New York po- basketball with my co-host, Mark Healy, and our guest, Brian Mahoney, who's the national NBA columnist for the Associated Press. He covers the Knicks and the Nets and the rest of the league for AP. How you doing today, Brian? I'm good, Jack. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Not a lot much to look forward to in Knicks land, but it, the playoffs, I, I've been this excited to watch playoff basketball in a while the Knicks aren't in it but you have no idea who's going to win and that's what I love I love when it's going to be a gauntlet for any team and it seems like it's going to be this year especially for the Brooklyn Nets well the East is really good this year there were a lot of years uh you know particularly when LeBron was in Cleveland where you knew who was going to win and it was just got to bide our time until we get to the finals we know who's going to be there but this year you can make a case for so many teams uh you know, it's probably the best the East has been in at least the most competitive in quite some time. So it's going to be exciting for sure. You know, Coach, how much do the odds change now that Kyrie Irving is, you know, on board? The vaccine mandate has been lifted for New York City players. And uh, obviously, Kyrie, we all have seen Kyrie, you know, he is as you know good a basketball player as, the, as there is in the NBA. You know, how much does does him being available, you know, 100 uh, percent change the the dynamic for the Nets? You know, it's interesting. The odds, I don't know if they've changed all that much because the Nets were still considered one of the favorites all along. And I think in part because of the expectation that by the time the playoffs came around, one way or the other, Kyrie would be able to play. Either he would be vaccinated or the mandate would be lifted in some regard. Uh, so, you know, even though after they went in a, you know, tailspin after Durant was hurt and they traded James Harden and they fell way back in the standings, they were never out of the position to be at least in a play-in tournament. And, you know, they were always considered once they got there, they would be one of the favorites. So, you know, probably for us, they, they're better off now for sure, but uh, from the outside, people always thought they had a great chance no matter what. Everything uh, pointing and t- everything pointing towards Simmons coming back, it looks so unclear. It seems like no one knows when he's really going to come back, if he's going to be ready in time for the playoffs. And when they made the trade for him, everyone seemed to just be like, oh, it's going to work perfect. It's a great fit. It's a great fit. And he's just going to come in playoff time and he's just going to be the Ben Simmons that we all thought he was going to be and the Ben Simmons he was in the first two years of his career but the guys not played basketball in almost over a year I, I just don't see it I don't see him being able to just step on the court and make the team that much better when he hasn't even been really playing he hasn't played in a game since one of the worst games of his professional career Maybe he has gained confidence since then. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. No one really does. But I don't know how Ben Simmons fits into this picture yet. And I can't see why people are just like just giving him the benefit of the doubt after what we saw from him last playoffs. Well, I would have exactly the same concerns. And I even asked Steve Nash, you know, a few days ago, is there like a moment where it's too late to bring him back and expect that he can really help you? And he said, no, anytime we get Ben, we're going to put him in there. Uh, you know, the, the the thought on that for a lot of people is that, you know, look, he doesn't have to score with the Nets. 
You have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. All he has to do is go out there and defend, and he's an all-defensive team type player, incredible athlete. Uh, you know, I get all that. Uh, but still, you're going out and playing against the best athletes in the world when you haven't played in, you know, whatever, you know, 10 months, eight months, whatever it'll be, and you're coming off a back injury. So, you know, I'm really doubtful of how much he can help. Certainly the Nets will say any Ben Simmons is better than no Ben Simmons, but I think you'd have to keep the expectations kind of low, uh, you know, coming back this late in the season, coming off an injury. When I look at their next matchup, Coach, I'm seeing, you know, the Nets are going to be playing the Heat, which a lot of people are saying that's a potential first-round matchup. Both have not been great of late. uh, But, you know, obviously when the playoffs start, you know, everything changes. Uh, Let's let's just say for argument's sake, that is the the, the matchup, you know, Heat uh, and and the Nets in that first round. You know – you know, we've seen the Bulls play at a really high level at times this year. What, what do you think of that? Do you think this game is going to be a preview of that? Or is it, you know, still, you know, it's regular season and, and it really doesn't mean much to the Bulls at this point? Well, you know, I, I don't know how much it all means now. Uh, you know, I do think the Nets are in a position now where, you know, whoever they play in the first round is going to be a really good opponent. You know, I, I think – it's almost like the Nets, if they escape the first round, things will get easier for them in the second round. Uh, but in the first round, they're looking at playing Miami, Milwaukee, possibly Boston, one of those kind of teams. And, uh, you know, yeah, as good as the Nets might be and as awesome as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving might be, those are teams that are much more balanced, that have been together all year long, and it would be difficult. Hey, I mean, you just touched on one of the biggest points I was about to make that these guys really haven't played together at all. Katie and Kyrie have barely even played. They played 30 games together in three years. As great as they are, they really don't have chemistry. And you have a coach like Steve Nash. We don't really know how good he is yet. He's gotten a lot of criticism. He hasn't won much with this team. Hasn't gone to an Eastern Conference Finals yet. I, I just don't see this team being just being able to gel together in such a short amount of time when you just don't know, you don't know what you're getting from every player. Seth Curry has been either one of the best players on the floor, but, or he's a defensive liability. Kevin Durant is either the best player in the world or he's injured. Like you need this team to have some type of consistency to do really anything in my opinion. If they don't find a consistency, they don't find a consistent lineup that they can put out there every single playoff game. I, I, don't, I don't know how far this team can go. I really don't. Well, it definitely matters. Uh, you know, I know people say talent is number one. I get that. But certainly you have to have time together. And they readily admit they don't. Uh, they, they certainly know that, that they can't match what, you know, Milwaukee has with, with Giannis and Chris Middleton playing together for as long as they have. And, and uh, you know, Boston went through their troubles early in the year, but this is a core that's been together for a few years and they found a way to work through it and they've gotten better all through the year. Uh, Miami's guys have been, quite a few of them have been there for a few years. And that's, they're throwing this team together. They've used, I think, 41 different starting lineups. Um, and it, you know, does it matter if your talent plays unbelievable? I guess you can score your way out of, you know, uh, consistency, continuity, whatever you want to have. But 
to do it four times against a really good opponent, it's it's certainly no guarantee. Uh, you'd like to have a lot more time than the Nets are going to have had together for sure. Yeah. I mean, injuries have killed them over the past few years. Everyone's coming out of the season like, oh, next year we stay healthy, we're going to win it. Next year we stay healthy, we're going to win it. Is that going to be what they're saying after this year? Or is it going to be, I don't know, maybe we got to – Maybe we got to make a move. So, I mean, James Harden didn't seem to work out because we never really got to see how he worked with that team because, again, injuries. Now we're going to see how this Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, KD, Kyrie kind of matchup works. Again, no one really knows how it's going to work out. If they stay healthy, maybe they can do some damage. Uh, to me, well, they could, they could readily say last year – if we didn't have the injuries, because, you know, look, Kyrie Irving and James Harden both got hurt in the second round and they still almost won against the team that had won the championship. So had they stay healthy, it's very easy for them to say we would have won. So, yes, they can blame last year on injuries. If they try and say this year, had we stayed healthy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ben Simmons got hurt and Marcus Aldridge got hurt and this and that. And Kevin Durant is the month. The bottom line is. The position they're in now, they would not be in if Kyrie Irving had played all season. So they can try and say it's because of injuries. Uh, the bottom line is it's because a player chose not to make itself available all season long and it put a burden on the rest of the team that they could not get out of the situation and they're staring at being in a very bad predicament because of that. You know, uh, Jack brought up a good point, Coach. Uh, he mentioned Seth Curry. He mentioned the guy that I don't think has been getting you know, near as much credit for the way he's played since he came over in the Harden trade. You know, this is a guy who moves well without the ball. This is a guy who's been scoring more than I expected him to. And with his ankle uh, not being 100%, uh, you know, I read an interesting piece this morning about how the Nets should be more concerned about Seth Curry's uh, ankle than they, than they will about Ben Simmons coming back. Well, how do you feel uh, what Seth Curry has added to the Nets' offense uh, and is it, you know, is his ankle still a concern? It is a concern. He said the other day that it's been bothering him for a while. And, uh, you know, there's, they don't have the time now to kind of rest guys. <laughs> you know, they, they have to play if they're healthy. Uh, you know, they're not guaranteed to, you know, to have a, a season left after next week. So, you know, they, they have to, or after two weeks, excuse me. So they need to be out there. But yes, he's a, you know, I thought he was a perfect get for them when, you know, when it, when it became clear they were going to trade with Philadelphia and a lot of Nets fans from the outside said, get all the, you know, get Tybal, get Maxi, one of the young guys. Um, I thought Sean Marks did what he needed to do. This, this team's window is now. He went out and got guys in Seth Curry and in Drummond who could help them now. You know, knowing Joe Harris was hurt. Uh, Seth Curry was the perfect player for them to go after. And if he's out there, they put Patty Mills back as a reserve where they want him to be, where he's best at. Uh, but yeah, if you're batting an ankle injury and you need to rest, uh, right now they're not in a situation where they can rest. He's got to play. I feel like, I mean, I was going to kind of ask a question, like who do you think the X factor is going to be? But I mean, if they really want to make a deep playoff run, he's got to be their guy. They've expected Joe Harris to be that guy when they get in the playoffs, to space the floor, to be that guy who's sitting in the corner, knocking down threes. And to hit those big-time shots, and Joe Harris really hasn't done that for them in the playoffs. Seth Curry does it this year. That Joe Harris contract isn't going to look too great 
And Seth Curry is going to be taking his job. I mean, he's a great I mean, Joe, Joe Harris was a really good player in the regular season, but if you don't do it in the playoffs, teams are, aren't going to have a – they're not going to have a hard time letting you go. No, he didn't play well in the last postseason, and I think he was really looking forward to a chance to try and, you know, make up for that in this postseason. But, you know, it's obviously now that you're going to get open shots. You can't double off Durant and, you know, Kyrie. So uh, – I'm sorry, you, you know, you do have to double those guys – so there's going to be open shots. You know, last year, Joe Harris didn't hit them in the playoffs. They need Seth Curry to do it, and they need Bruce Brown, who was, you know, shot the ball pretty well recently. Uh, they need him to do it because th- those looks are going to be there. Coach, who's the toughest first-round matchup for the Nets? Let's just say, let's just assume that, you know, they're going to be in the eighth spot or, you know, who knows what's going to happen in these few remaining games. Who's the best matchup? for the Nets in the first round, and who's the worst? Well, you know, the, the, the best, you know, of the teams they can possibly play at this point, you know, the best would probably be Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I, I, they've had the least time together. Uh, you know, who knows if, you know, Harden will wear down in the postseason. You know, you never really know. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, the, the worst, you know, Miami has multiple guys they can throw on Durant and try and wear him down in, you know, P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Bam out of Bayou, uh, you know, and, and those guys can score, too. So uh, that's that's a team that will give the Nets trouble. Uh, you know, Milwaukee, obviously, you know, who's going to play Giannis? You don't really want to have to play that team four times. Drew Holiday is a great defender. He can at least, you know, compete with Kyrie. No one's going to stop Kyrie, but at least. You know, he makes it hard for him. So those teams all have multiple guys and, and Boston. I shouldn't leave them out. Boston just we saw they beat the Nets with the rank Kyrie recently. Jason Tatum scoring 50 something points. Uh, that's a you know, that team right now is so hot with the scores they have. And, you know, a great defense with Marcus Smart and and uh, Rob Williams inside a great shot blocker. So there's three teams that I think are good enough to beat the Nets right there in a series. So uh, none of those are great matchups, but that's what the Nets are facing, you know, where they are right now. I mean, looking at the standings, the one seed is a hundred percent not decided. We really have no idea who's going to end up with it. And if I'm the Nets, like I agree with you. I, I, I want no part of Milwaukee. I want, I, uh, Miami has been struggling, so maybe that's not the worst matchup. I definitely would want Philly. Uh, the way they played them that first game, where it seemed like every like oh, that seemed like a playoff game with the amount of pressure and the amount of hype everyone had for it. It was, it was right after the trade. Oh, you want to see how Harden played against Brooklyn? You want to see how Durant would respond to all this? And we got a great game, and Brooklyn really gave it to him. If they, can- yeah, they, they, they crushed them. That was an enormous statement game. And, uh, you know, it'd be a, it would be a fascinating series, uh, you know, two local teams, uh, you know, superstars, you know, rival cities. I mean, that would be a fun, you know, fun series, I think, going into it. And, uh, you know, the Nets obviously getting Drummond. This, again, it's a big body to use against Embiid. Uh, you know, that certainly helps them, uh, evens it up a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not that Philadelphia is not good. You know, that's when you have him beaten Harden, uh, you're, that's a, that's a good team right there. But I think, you know, the Nets did well getting some key players that Philadelphia needed in that trade. 
And just again, how good Miami, Milwaukee, and right now Boston look, I think Philadelphia is probably just the worst out of those four. You know, coach, you know, it's a, this is a two-part question. Number one, why do the Milwaukee Bucks just seem to get no respect? I mean, they're the defending champion. They have, you know, arguably the best player in the NBA, the best all-around player in the NBA. And, you know, they just don't seem to get any respect. And the second part of that question is, is James Harden's playoff, uh, you know, post, you know, playoff failures uh, or inability to come up big in the playoff, is that real or is that imagined, uh, you know, by the, you know, just by the hype, you know, is, 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 is James Harden, you know, are we just missing the boat on James Harden or is he going to really play a significant role in this postseason? Well, part two of the question, it's, it's a little of both. Uh, you know, it is real that he hasn't gotten, you know, further and he has struggled at times and, you know, you could certainly point the finger at him. Uh, but I think it's a little over-exaggerated you know, just because certain times they weren't supposed to win anyway. And, uh, you know, certainly the year in Houston where, you know, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, Houston was in the lead in that series against Golden State. They may have beaten, you know, one of the Warriors' greatest teams when they had Durant. So uh, you would look at James Harden totally differently, I think, had they won that series and gotten to the finals. So, you know, it's a little bit, you know, yes, it's true that he hasn't done it, but I'm not sure he's the reason they haven't done it all the time. Uh, and, and as far as Milwaukee, you know, it's – you know, partly it's sort of the city size. Uh, you know, they're not on the coast. They're not a glamour team in New York or L.A. And part of it, I think, is Giannis is a pretty humble guy. Doesn't go out, you know, making a big scene on Twitter or, uh, you know, some of the outrageous comments he makes and stuff like that. They, they like to sort of stay quiet. Uh, Chris Middleton is a really quiet guy. Uh, Drew Holiday sort of fits in with that. So uh, it's just the way they they sort of act and it works for them. But um, you know, people certainly know how good that team is and, and uh, how tough they'd be to beat four times. I, I feel like the biggest reason that no one wants to talk about Giannis is that everyone wants something new. Everyone wants to talk about John Morant. Everyone wants to talk about, like, these young and upcoming stars. And Giannis has had MVP-type seasons since he had that original breakout. I mean, the guy's been so dominant in the East as of late. You don't want – like, it's, he's, it's almost like a LeBron factor of no one cares. Like, you, you, you're one of the best. All right. We want to see someone else beat you now. Well, that, that may be the case. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I may just be sure we're, you know, okay, great. You're, you know, 28, 10, and 5 guy. We get it. And your team's going to win – you know, 55 games and all that stuff. Uh, but, but yes, we want to see something new that, that, that could, that could be it. Uh, you know, but they're just, they, they don't have the, you know, the, the draw of the excitement of watching Durant and Kyrie and uh, possibly Embiid and Harden. It's, it's all that other kind of stuff that, uh, you know, Milwaukee just isn't their, their profile isn't that, but, you know, I, I'd be glad to be a fan of the Bucs. Uh, you know, you're going to have a great team every year with a great player who's a great leader. I mean, he had one of the greatest finals runs of all time last year. That's also not talked about enough. The guy came off of a very serious injury, should have been out for months, came back in days, and goes on to put up 40 points, 35 points every single game in those finals. 
and he's tearing it up on both sides of the floor, making great plays. He was he was just unbelievable. And, and if he can make another run like this this year, I can tell you that people won't be as quiet. He had one of the best series I've personally ever ever covered, uh, or even seen. I think he had you know over forty twice and over fifty in the in the finale. And you know even before that, he didn't look that great in that series. I thought they were fending him kind of well in the second round. Uh, you know he's missing the free throws, and uh, you know his jumper was way off. And then he gets hurt in the conference finals against Atlanta. And you're thinking, how good is he really going to be in the finals? Well, he was unbelievable, and uh, they wouldn't have won that series otherwise. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, and he's gotten better. He keeps, he, he loves the game. He loves to think about the game. It looks like, and figure out how he can, uh, you know, improve himself every year. So I have just a great respect for him. Coach, you know, when I think about, you know, Jack, Jack touched on it a little bit before about Steve Nash. Uh, you know, you look, you, you probably know more about Steve Nash than, than most of us, because, you know, you cover the team, you're there all the time. As you mentioned before, you get to ask him questions. He just seems, for me, he just seems to be a guy that the fans don't really know about. We really don't have a gauge uh, on the kind of personality he is, uh, the kind of, you know, and maybe that's because of the presence of Durant and Kyrie, but we really don't have, you know, for a guy who's been uh, – for, uh, you know, the coach of a local team that's supposed to be good, or that's expected to be good. Would you agree that he seems to be a low key guy that we really don't know about? And, you know, if, if we wanted to know something about him, what's something about Nash that's impressed you, uh, you know, since you started covering him? Well, you know, I think he's, you know, he's been thrown so many curveballs with his, with his rotation. You know, I think it certainly, I'm impressed the way he figures out, okay, I get five guys out there and it's not the five guys I saw in practice yesterday. A lot of times, uh, you know, he has to make a lot of adjustments with his rotation uh, that can wear on you. You know, you, you finally say, okay, here we're, here's our team. We finally got them out there. And then they, you know, somebody gets hurt the next game. And, uh, and so I think he's been a great manager of that kind of situation. What we don't know really is how good an X's and O's guy he is because he doesn't have his full team all the time. So you don't know, did they lose because they just didn't have their guys or did they win because when they do have their guys, they're just out talent people. Uh, we don't know if he's, his strategies are the reason they won or lost. So I think that's why he doesn't have the local profile that maybe we would normally have otherwise, just because we haven't had to really have a lot of time to know, you know, how good or bad he is. I think these playoffs will really give us a good idea. He's going to have most of his guys, it looks like, going into it. And he's going to have to have a game plan going into these series of how he's going to attack teams. I mean, it shouldn't be too complicated. You have two of the best offensive players ever. And it's going to be a huge, it's going to be a huge tell on if Nash was the right guy to coach this team. And, this is, this and is, you know, they're going to need a coach, you know, again, they're not going to, this is not an overpowering number one seed who's going to throw their guys out there and say, we're going to, you know, you're not going to beat us four times. They're going to have to come from way back in the standings and beat really good teams. And if your coach is bad, I don't care how good your players are. You're not going to do that. Uh, you know, he's going to have to figure out, you know, in-game adjustments, uh, you know, how to you know stop momentum, how to, 
all that other kind of stuff that is very possible he will be good at. We just haven't really had a chance to see if that's the case or not yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, last thing for me, uh, Coach, is just, you know, just one, we want to touch on the Knicks just for a second. Um, you know, it's very interesting to me how different, uh, you know, James Dolan treats the Rangers and the Knicks. You know, there's always such a, I mean, I, I, I know all the different, you know, I've read Mark Berman's stuff and, you know, I've read your stuff. I read, I, I, you know, I've read so much about the, the, what goes on. And there's so, so much secrecy with the Knicks. Uh, you, you never know what's going to happen. Do you think that uh, we could see uh, with the Knicks that there's going to be turnover in the front office? Do you sense that, uh, you know, to get this team back where it was a year ago, that we're going to see uh, a lot of change in the, in the front office structure? Uh, I, you know, it sounds like Thibodeau is not going anywhere. So do you, do you sense that that front office is going to be remade? Or do you think that that this group led by Leon Rose is going to get another offseason to right the ship? There's been so many times I've been wrong about the Knicks, <laughs> but you know, my guess would be they, they get more time. You know, as, as bad as this year has been compared to last year, uh, you know, it's still only their second year. Uh, you know, it's not like they are, you know, 15 wins or something. They are, have been in the hunt. They've been in a lot of games. They just haven't been good enough to win them. Uh, and they have to sort of figure out, you know, what, what are they missing and all that. But it's not like they, you know, totally everything has gone bad where they can say wrong coach, wrong players, wrong front office. Um, you know, they, they took a step back this year. There's no doubt about it. Some of the moves they made did not work. No doubt about it. Um, but it doesn't to me look like, oh my God, these guys can't do it. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think James Owen would be able to look at this and say, okay, it, you know, I might have the right people. They just didn't do the right job this year, but I don't think he needs to look at this and say, we definitely have the wrong people. We got to change it up. Well, I'm honestly too upset about this season to even think about the Knicks anymore. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna wrap it up here. It's been another great episode. Thanks for coming on, Brian. It's always great having you. Sure thing, Jack. Thanks for having me. Take care, coach. You take care of yourself, my friend. All right, Mark. Catch you soon. <laughs>